Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, and I did take last week off, so thank you for your patience, and thank you. Shout out to my co-host, Simon Villanos, for, you know, always putting in that work and getting those request episodes out and getting those interviews out. But anyways, I'm back. I'm healthy again. I, I got a little under the weather last week, but I'm back to talk about, you know, a couple of Class of 22 and even some Class of 23 athletes here that are going to be real special here in the coming years and i'll explain why but starting off first we are going to go to wyoming you know just north here of colorado and talk about trace floyd the class of 22 six foot 183 pound running back who you know has played with a couple of cats that i've covered you know as far as this torrington offense you know i know their quarterback got hurt last year and i even talked to him a little bit and now, I'm very excited for this Torrington team to really try and take a run, take a stab at this, you know, championship run in this upcoming season, you know, and hopefully they can go out uh, on top as seniors. But anyways, talking about some things that Trace Floyd does really well is, you know, he's a, he's very quick. He, he does have good speed, I believe. You know, he's able to win a lot of foot races, and when he gets in the open field, it's hard or damn near impossible to catch him. You know, he... It, he can take off pretty quick. And, you know, I think that he also has some pretty solid vision. And there's you can see this in a couple of different ways. Obviously, in the run game, you know, he always hits the holes and he hits them hard. And he finds cutback claims pretty consistently. And, you know, I also want to mention that he is a pretty big contributor on special teams as both a punt and kick returner. He has one kick return that he takes all the way to the house on his reel, you know, where he just sprints incredibly quick straight down the middle and you know it's a testament to the vision as well because a lot of returners i feel like will go really east to west to try and pop off a return but you know floyd he was just 200 miles an hour straight ahead and you know found that opening and and eventually scored so you know on that same play you know he does shrug off a couple of tackles and you know he gets this like it's almost like an ability that activates whenever he gets inside the red zone, especially the 10-yard line where all of his tackle breaking just, I'd say, increases exponentially. You know, he gets especially hard when he starts to see those pylons to bring down and just overall runs really hard, runs really tough. And, you know, obviously in other parts of the field, he I don't think he's somebody who gets brought down by one guy very often, if at all. And, you know, you're going to have to gang tackle Trace Floyd and you're going to have to corral him in too, because if you let him get to the sidelines and you let him get that cutout lane, then you're going to pay the price, right? He's going to just run all over you. And that's going to be all that she wrote, really. <clears throat> Talking about some areas of improvement, though, that I want to see from Trace is, you know, Trace will spend, I think, a little bit too much time dancing. Now, I, I know that I mentioned that on the return, he did a great job of running north and south. But whenever he gets handoffs and starts to get into the open field, he'll cut back and forth and juke left and right when, you know, ultimately it, the play is, I don't want to say the play is over, but if he just takes the strength that he's shown and the quick burst that he has and he just accelerates really hard into whatever defender's in front of him, he's going to gain more yards slash even potentially, you know, turn that into a breakout run by by simply just lowering his shoulder and taking the yards that the defense gives him. So I, I'd say just stop being as cute with moves is an odd way of saying it, but I think it's the honest truth, you know, that 
he just wastes a little bit too much time dancing left and right when, you know, he should just put his head down and pick up the yards that he needs to. <clears throat> I also want to mention that on his film, there was no pass blocking film and the pass catching film was also really limited. I think that, you know, as far as the strength, he does do a pretty decent job of using his hands when he does catch the football. However, you know, he didn't run a ton of routes. I believe it was like a, ver a vertical route and an out route that was pretty rounded. So I'd want to see his route running get a bit more crisp. And I want to see if he can block as well, you know, in the passing game. Because, okay, he does show some run blocking capability. But, you know, pass protection is really different. And with the limited amount of pass catching film and the very even more so limited slash none pass blocking film... It's really hard to tell if Trace Floyd here is a three down back. I, Simon and I have talked about this all the time. You know, you really want somebody who you don't need to take off the field, you know, on, on a series or somebody when you know that they're on the field, like there, it's probably a run play, right? You don't want a single player to be your calling card for whatever play that you're calling. So, you know, for Floyd here, obviously there are some things maybe schematically that he can't control. But he can still work on that pass blocking. He can still work on that pass catching. He can still work on that route running. And, you know, maybe it's a note to to just running backs in general to throw on any pass blocking film that you have onto your film because we want players who we don't have to take off the field. And if you don't have any pass blocking film, we just do not know if, if you're a two or three down back. Really, that's what the difference comes down to, especially – in this pass heavy kind of era of football that we're in. So, you know, I'd say if you don't have any film, then make some or add it onto your film. If you can find any and work on it, you know, work on getting that strong base squaring up and really standing your ground and, you know, knowing which guy to block as well is a huge part of being a running back, especially if blitzes come, you need to prioritize kind of into out and create that time for your quarterback. And in addition to that, I don't know if, you have the capability of blocking and releasing and whatnot. Like some players from the flag football programs that we're going to be talking about on Friday. You know, I know that the blocking is a little bit different, but you know, still block and release. It's still a part of the game of football and a huge versatile aspect. If you ask me <clears throat> talking about Floyd's future here, you know, he has a lot of the same weaknesses that, you know, most Wyoming players have when it comes to scouting. And it's just simply that you play in Wyoming. It's the smallest populous state, you know, in the U.S. And, you know, the competition isn't, it's not over the top. So you really need to shine in order to get the opportunities, you know. So I could see, you know, NAIA schools or, you know, maybe even D2 schools based off of just his size and athleticism alone taking a chance on him. And I think that, that it would be a good chance, too. It's just one of those things where Trace, if you aren't already, you got to be reaching out to those coaches, reaching out to those programs constantly. You know, we've had a lot of interviews lately. I hope that a lot of these young guys are listening to it. And, you know, even some of these guys that are the same age as the people that we're interviewing, where it's like, get on Twitter, hop on those programs, follow them, follow those coaches, find those coaches, send your film, send your film, send your film, and just network, you know, and get those opportunities. Because I think Floyd here absolutely could be a college football player, you know, at the next level. And, but I think it's going to take a little bit of haggling a little bit. And, you know, like Simon, Jesse, and I talked about on the defensive backs episode, eligibility was extended. We've been trying to mention it. These class of 22 guys, 
it's going to be really hard for you guys to find roster spots between you know the scholarships promised to these class of 21 guys and you know the run over eligibility roster spots are scarce so you need to fight for them you need to market yourself and you you really got to shine on the football field so floyd i guess it starts with you know getting that team ready and going out and competing for a national championship is the best thing or not national championship my bad state championship out there in wyoming and you know putting torrington on the map and in turn yourself but that does it for our Wyoming recruit for this episode. Coming up next, we're going to head to the Great Lakes of Michigan. Coming up. Thanks for your patience and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer. And we just got out of Wyoming and moved straight over to Tackle Bay City Central High School or Bay Central City High School in Michigan. Talking about Luke Zanotti, the six foot four, 285 pound tackle, who, you know, is rated as a top 10 recruit in Michigan for the class of 2023. So let's just jump right into, you know, the strengths and then I'll talk about the areas of improvement for Luke here. Luke really jumped off the film especially in pass protection. You know, he is lightning quick off the line. And, you know, I think that's an important aspect to have, as, especially like I think technique wise and speed wise off the snap, you know, he's already ready for that next level of football. And, you know, that that's a huge testament for, you know, just linemen in general. It's rare to see that speed, especially, you know, from a sophomore. So, you know, Luke, I huge applause for that. that. That was the first thing I put was great first step in pass protection. And just in general, you know, his pass pro footwork is it's, it's magnificent. You know, I think that he does a great job of remaining square and, you know, he keeps his feet shuffling no matter what you'll see a lot of linemen kind of just get stuck and just try and play the strength game without their legs. But Zanotti here keeps them chopping, keeps them chopping, keeps driving and, you know, it allows him to be able to move laterally even better than most tackles, especially, you know, when this pass rush, you know, pass rushers come in all shapes and sizes these days. And, you know, I think Zanotti's equipped to handle any of those pass rushers, whether it's fast off the edge or whether it's just strong guys or, you know, guys who have lots of finesse moves just because his footwork is so consistent. His footwork is so driven and it, it allows him to just have lots of mobility. He's a very mobile tackle and kind of building off of that, you know, Luke's speed is really good for an offensive lineman. And, you know, just his mobility in general allows him to be used in a lot of versatile ways. I think something that I noticed while watching his film, that's a pretty consistent pattern is, you know, his speed as far as getting to the second level and even the third level is I'd say above average for sure for almost any lineman, you know, as a sophomore at 285 pounds, he's super athletic. You know, he has this one video of him on Twitter where he's actually dunking, you know, while at six foot four, six foot five, it's like, okay, you know, like he doesn't have to jump as high as a lot of other cats, but still at 285 pounds to be jumping like that, you know, it's a testament to once again, his leg strength and just his overall athleticism. But anyways, getting back to my first point here between his combination of speed and mobility, you know, he can be used in a variety of ways. He can pass block on rollouts and boots really well because he can just move laterally super fine and seal that edge. 
right? And setting up that that kind of outside of the pocket pocket for that quarterback. And, you know, he's a huge tool in the passing game as far as the screen game, you know. He does a great job of getting a quick punch on whoever's in front of him and getting to that second level and blowing up a linebacker, blowing up a cornerback, blowing up a safety. You know, he's blown up all three of those guys. Sometimes he's done two of them in one play where he just knocks them on their butt. And it's just, it's it's incredible to watch from somebody who's so young and from somebody who's just such a mammoth. You know what I'm saying? So his his speed is arguably his most impressive trait and his most important trait. And, you know, his athleticism follows it up. Talking about, yeah, this also, I will, I might mention, translates super well as far as, you know, being able to pull at the tackle position. He's asked to pull on quite a few counter plays. And, you know, he, do, he does a great job on, you know, naked boots and stuff like that. You know, getting the pull that he needs to from the tackle position, nonetheless. And getting downfield, you know, he hits the hole harder than the running back does a lot of the time. And he does you know, eventually find somebody and he, and he collects pancakes and is an absolute mismatch with the size and speed that he is coming to that second level and just blowing up and setting up those plays for his running back falling behind him. And if it wasn't apparent, you know, I know I talked about his speed. I talked about his footwork, especially that is superb, but you know, Luke is also strong. You know, he doesn't, you know, he, he's not just fast. He, he backs it up and he is a lineman at heart and he has a great shove as far as, you know, just getting, linemen or or linebackers to the ground and with his legs you know he's able to push people way off the ball and completely out of the play and out of the frame sometimes even on his highlight reel so you know he's just super athletic super fundamentally sound at least footwork wise especially in pass protection which i think is one of the more important things that you can look at for a lineman and it's one of those things where if you're watching as a college scout it's like okay, this is one thing that we don't have to start from scratch from, which they, ha they have to for a lot of these linemen because, you know, a lot of these linemen, they're recruited because they're big, you know, 320-pound monsters of the midway kind of kind of vibes, and they're overall just strong, and they just win with strength. But Luke here wins with technique, strength, and speed, and I think that's what makes him such a great prospect. I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up having a few stars, you know, before his high school football career is over, uh, barring any regressions or anything like that, knock it on wood because I don't wish it. But you know, Luke is rated as a top ten class of twenty three cat in Michigan, and I think that he'll he'll be great on the college level. I'll talk about his outlook here after talking about some areas of improvement. You know, because from the strengths, right, it sounds like I'm I'm hyping up this dang near perfect prospect. But Luke, you know, is a sophomore, and there are some things for him to work on. And I think that his biggest focus absolutely needs to be his football IQ and his mental work. This dude needs to get in the film room. There is a bunch of times where he unnecessarily double teams somebody, or I don't think that he's watching for a blitz and making sure that the right guy gets picked up by the rest of his line. I think that he needs to be a bit more vocal and, you know, it happens a few times when he's pulling where, you know, he, he doubles a guy when really, you know, that guy was arguably blocked or he could have just put a hand on him and just pushed him a little bit and then gone and blocked the guy who eventually ends up making the tackle on the play. So I think it's just keeping your head on a swivel, getting your eyes up, watching the film, knowing where the defense is going to be before you even get there, right? And showing that kind of mental acuity at the offensive lineman position and becoming a student of the game is the 
biggest thing that Luke here needs to do. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that also just comes with, you know, making strides and knowing, hey, I'm that dude, you know, I, I started varsity as a sophomore tackle. I, you know, I'm respected here on the football field because I'm a football player and then taking it to that next level and developing into a leader of sorts on that offensive line, making sure that everyone's communicating, making sure that you're identifying the blitzes, making sure that everyone knows who they need to block on any given play and coming up with calls and stuff so that, you know, you just have more communication. You, there's less miss blocks and, you know, just stepping up in that way because, you know, it to be perfectly well-rounded as far as like a leader and mentally, and then on top of the physical gifts that he already has, Luke would be a very highly rated prospect and arguably a power five player if he's able to address this film work and this leadership work and this communication work, obviously. I think that a lot of offensive linemen don't realize just how important communicating is. If you're not talking on every single play, then I'm not entirely sure what you're doing. Like get your hand in the dirt, look up, see what you need to do and make sure that your brothers next to you know what they need to do so you could take care of business and, and pick up those yards and drive it down the defense's throat on every single drive. Talking about, back to Luke, you know, a little bit less of general football talk, but talking about Luke, I also think that working on his stance is really important. Rod Green stressed the importance of stances in his interview really well, so go ahead and please listen to the Troy Fountain and Rod Green interviews if you have a chance, which is episode 38. But anyways, you know, Rod Green talks about how he's always working on a stance. He's always, because, you know, that's what, that's like the first step, right? Is whatever you do following your stance is, is how you're going to be as a football player. And it's whether you're going to lose or win, win before the snap even starts. Right. So I think he needs to work on a stance because in the film, you know, there is a difference I'd say pretty consistently between what his run blocking stance looks like and what his pass blocking stance looks like. And on the next level, you know, or even heading into his junior and senior year, if you're going to show that on film, there's going to be DNs, there's going to be linebackers that are going to be able to ID that and know what the play even is before the play even starts, right? So you can't be a liability like that with something as simple as a stance and something that, you know, can be so glaring on the film and so identifiable. So Working on that stance becoming a lot more consistent in pass versus run situations and being able to work off of it, right? It's kind of the angle of his arm, so it looks like he gets down a lot further for run blocking, so he can kind of fire out of his stance forward versus, you know, pass blocking where it's a little bit more of an upright stance with his arm less angled so that he can get that kick out step faster. When, you know, find something that's kind of in the middle of those two arm placements, I'd say, so that you could both take off in the run game and both get back in the pass game. And then last but not least, you know, uh, well, okay. Sometimes when he is pulling, he does take a false step. Obviously this gets compensated with his speed overall most of the time, but you know, if he can clean that up and gain that half step that he loses when he is pulling, then obviously that's monumental. And, you know, maybe he gets some of those blocks because that, that he is missing to this point just because maybe he's just a hair too slow and, you know, won't feel too slow with getting out of that stance a bit faster and not taking that false step. And then, you know, this is pretty nitpicky, but when he gets downfield, he needs to be a bit more cognizant of where his hands land when he's blocking because there's a couple of close calls as far as being blocked in the backs, you know, against some of these safeties and DBs when he gets really downfield. So, you know, if, 
if their back is to you, just just don't touch them, right? Or if they try spinning around you or spinning off you, because I feel like it's going to get called either more in the coming years, or if he does it on the next level, it's definitely going to get called. So just be careful. If you need to, just speed up a little bit and get out of, you know, just get in their way, right? So, you know, I think that's a lot of what I have to say about Luke. I talk, I kind of talked about, you know, his potential. I think on the high end, he's definitely a power five guy. And, you know, I think that he needs to be a D1 player, but, you know, there's still work in the film room, which, you know, if you're if you're a scout or a coach, you know, at that college level, it's not the worst thing to have to work on, just getting him to be in the film room and then just talking more football in general. But, you know, <clears throat> if he does make those strides sooner than later and, you know, puts on a little bit more weight, I bet that, you know, look, 285 is not bad, right? But, you know, if he gets up to 295 or 300 and still moves the same way, then, you're getting calls from those SEC schools, I think. But that's not the biggest thing. He may be already. I'm not really sure. I couldn't find out a lot about his recruiting. But, you know, if you haven't heard him now, keep Luke Zanotti. And once again, Luke, if I'm saying that name wrong, just come on the show and, uh, you know, tell us tell us how to actually say it. Tell me how to actually say it. But Which is an invite to you and anybody else who's on the show that goes out to Floyd and, you know, these next two athletes that I'll talk about coming up after I wrap up Luke here. But, you know, Luke, he's, he's a very athletic tackle, very fast, very strong tackle who just needs to put in some more mental work. And that's there's a lot worse that you could ask for from a high school tackle for sure. But that is what really does it for Luke Zanotti here. And coming up next, we are going to be talking about this Minnesotan running back coming up. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we travel to St. Thomas Academy High School in Minnesota to talk about Love Adebayo, the 5'9", 180-pound running back slash athlete who can really <laughs> break the will and ankles of players and teams alike. But, you know, the first thing I'm going to talk about is areas of improvement, you know, and Something that is a huge worrying thing, especially with the workload that he's getting, and I think something that's preventing him from being on the field more, is ball security. You know, he doesn't always carry the ball in the correct hand was one of the first things I noticed during his film. And, you know, sometimes when he gets popped, the ball does bobble a little bit, and defenders are aiming and clawing at the ball. And I, it got me curious, so, you know, I went and, like I said, Max Preps, who knows how accurate it really is. However, he had three recorded fumbles as a sophomore in 49 carries which you know it means that he was fumbling basically every 15 or 16 carries you know and that's a huge red flag obviously for scouts and you know it keeps him off the field if you're the offensive coordinator or the head coach because I mean yes he may score a touchdown but he may also just straight up give the ball away and when you have a risk reward like that you probably want to play it safe and see if you can make a drive out of who else you have at running back if they fumble less? I also didn't see any blocking film in the pa- in the passing game, and I didn't see any routes or receptions on his film. So, <clears throat> at least on his compilation film, and so I'm not entirely positive if he is a three down running back. And so ultimately, you know, he has something that I feel like is really common from a lot of sophomore football players that are broken down. And it's just, I need to see more before maybe giving a possible final verdict on him. And, you know, there's just some question marks that I have, you know, ball security is obviously like 
running backs who can't hold on to the ball end up getting switched over to defense. So if that does happen, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later so he can get some defensive film going and get recruited as a defensive player. It'd be a very similar route, I'd say, as this one cat that I played with back in the day, Adrian Jackson, who's now over at Oregon playing linebacker. No, he originally played running back on some of our youth teams, and I know that Mullen messed around with the idea of him at running back, but ultimately his ball security just wasn't there and, you know, ended up being a very successful, I think, three- or four-star recruit who went to Oregon. But, you know, you got to get that defensive kind of decision made sooner than later and get that film going and learn how to play that side of the ball. I also would like to see how he does on special teams as a returner, you know, because that would impact, you know, kind of his catching, his ball security for sure would be challenged. And also, you know, he just has the home run speed. And it's like one of those things where it's like, if your ball security is keeping you off the field from being a touchdown threat on special teams, like that sucks for me as a coach. And that sucks for you as an athlete and just isn't something that you want to become a pattern. Right. But anyways, that, that, like I said, there's not too many areas of improvement, but they are very serious areas of improvement for Adebayo here, but that doesn't take away from the absolute threat he is on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think the biggest strength for Love here is that he has amazing home run speed to break off massive runs, but, and not only does he have, you know, great, you know, winning foot race kind of speed, arguably could be anyone one-on-one in the open field in a race, but his acceleration is swift and seamless. It happens within the blink of an eye. And, you know, he, when he turns on those jets, that's when it's really game over for the defense. And especially if he wins the sideline, it's going to be a touchdown. It's an automatic touchdown. He scored a touchdown actually at, I think it's First Bank Stadium. Is that the Minnesota Vikings stadium? I think that's the one. Maybe it's U.S. Bank. But anyways, he scored a touchdown at that stadium off of, you know, this this play where he cuts it back and you know he he just wins the sideline and that's it nobody catches him he has great breakaway speed super dangerous just as far as natural god-given speed goes he he has that edge and moves like a gazelle at 180 pounds five foot nine so you have that going for him but then on top of that he has great footwork that allows him to just you know, and, and body control too. I'm going to say his footwork and body control, they go hand in hand and it allows him to make a lot of jukes and a lot of cuts that are really fast. There's, like I said, on one play, he's, he actually breaks two different people's ankles on one play. And he does it a couple of times, but one is especially important because it's like a cutback. Then he cuts to the right and he breaks one person's ankles and he cuts back left and then cuts back right again. So, you know, just his change of direction, his change of pace and his footwork is absolutely absurd especially at the you know speed that he's making these cuts and he's making these spins and he's making these jukes the speed that he's doing them at is just undefendable i'd say especially in one-on-one situations that is a nightmare that i would not want to be on the other end of as a defender and no defender really wants to look forward to it right being in the open field with love out of bio you're going to probably lose it just with a combination of speed you don't want to get burnt right so you're going to try and break down but then as soon as he gets those hips moving side to side, you've already lost. So, and, you know, I, I talk about his speed. I talk about his cuts and abilities. And you're thinking, oh, okay, this is like a speed back. This is a finesse back, you know. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of power. Well, if you made that assumption, you're actually wrong. He loves contact. He initiates contact. 
and he goes through people. He he actually flattens quite a few defenders, especially when he's getting to the sideline and they try and push him out. You know, they think that they're going to line up and get a good hit on him, and they bounce off. And, you know, he goes out of bounds, but the defender knows, like, oh, damn, you know, Adebayo is strong. He's got, you know, on top of the body control, he's got great balance and just overall strength. You know, he he uses that quick burst and that quick acceleration to pick up even more speed before heading into somebody and, you know, lets them know, hey, like, sit down. I'm not just here to run around. I'm not super scrawny to be broken in half. I'm going to break you before you break me. And so he runs with attitude. He runs with finesse. He runs with power and <clears throat> just is it just a great offensive weapon to have. Like I said, just a threat on the offensive side of the ball. And so, like I said, I want to see more. Uh, I want to see more touches. I want to see more pass film. I want to see some blocking film to see if he has that in him. I think based off of his physicality that he can be a great pass blocker, but it is something that technique wise and mental IQ wise, you're going to have to work on. And then, you know, just work on catching a lot of passes, be an asset in multiple areas of the game, get on the field more so we can get more film of you. You have more total yards and, you know, scouts see you because I do think that as far as an athlete goes, that he has D1 potential. But, you know, if he's going to keep fumbling and he's going to have all these problems as far as, you know, not getting on the field and not getting pass blocking film or not being trusted to catch the ball, then you could go as low as D3 as just an overall athlete with with those specific issues. Those are bad issues to have. And so those are things to be working on all summer leading up to the season especially that ball security. That ball security needs to be addressed now. And then, you know, make sure you're talking to your coach and figuring out ways to get into other parts of the game for sure. It looks like you're on a pretty successful team. And, you know, I know that those coaches, when they have an athletic weapon like that, they want to be able to use you. So just make yourself available and versatile more than anything else. And, you know, that like I said, that's a really huge range to give them. But, you know, I clarified that it's hard to give a final verdict on a player that still has so much more to show us on on the football field so that does it for love out of bio and to wrap up this episode coming up next we are talking about a five-star corner out of lake gibson high school in florida if you know you know if you don't then stay tuned We are back on the last segment of this edition of Playmakers Corner. I believe this is request 44, if I remember correctly. But anyways, if you haven't guessed about who I'm talking about, based off my hint at the end of the last segment, I'm going to be talking about Cormani McLean, the five-star cornerback out of Lake Gibson High School in Florida, six foot two, 170 to 175 pounds, who is a highly coveted prospect, if you can tell by the five stars that his rating is given. That include, you know, offers to Bama, Auburn, Florida State University, Ohio State, OU, and UCF, amongst a grip of other schools, you know, who tried to, you know, get those offers to him first before these big schools discovered him. And, you know, there's a reason he's a five-star cornerback, but we're going to talk about some of the things that he could improve on as he heads to that next level and, you know, as he finishes out his high school career. And one of those things is, I think... At times, his stance can get a little too tall, and he stumbles a little bit. Now, this isn't obviously too big of a hurdle for him. He's super dominant at this level. But I do think that, you know, his stance remaining, you know, more consistent, more square, and more athletic at times is going to be more important for the next level. And, 
you know, especially going to that power five level, you don't want to be caught lacking like that by, you know, five-star wide receivers that you're going to potentially be going up against. And then in addition to that, he's not a very good tackler. He either tackles way too high or he doesn't get a good wrap up. And, you know, it's, I think it's kind of a miracle on some of these guys being tackled by him sometimes. So, you know, I think that leaves some concerns in one-on-one -on -one situations in the run game. You know, especially if you get fellow five-star running backs that are coming at you in the SEC or something like that, that could definitely create problems in the open space if he's not able to just be a bit more fundamental with tackles. He doesn't have to be lights out, but he does definitely need to step it up a little bit, I think, as far as tackling goes and just clean it up a lot more. But, you know, like I said, well, those are the two weaknesses that jumped off the film the most. There could be more, but I feel like I'd definitely be nitpicking just because this is a very talented cornerback who I'm very excited to see play on the next level and see how the rest of his high school career does go. So McLean here, first thing I put was absurd athlete with fantastic speed and even better body control. And you could see this body control whenever he goes up to make an interception. I swear Cormani here has a sixth sense for the football. And what I mean by that is, you know, he does a great job of what well, he'll be playing his assignment. He'll be playing his role. He'll cover his guy. Right. But he, he follows the quarterback's eyes while also being a sticky coverage cornerback and, you know, is able to switch off of his guy and then make interceptions elsewhere. Um, and I think there are two really good examples of this. One of the, one of them is when he's playing, you know, this one guy outside, and, you know, this guy outside, it looks like he either runs a post or a go route, but the quarterback is going to throw the out route to the inside slot receiver, the tight end. And Kamani, you know, he's playing his guy. There's no separation between him and his guy, and he knows that that might be the first read of the quarterback. So very smart football player here in Kormani McLean. And he switch, he just comes down with that incredible speed and gets an easy, he makes this interception look so easy, even though it wasn't his assignment. He wasn't playing the flats. He just made this decision. He made this play with just great athleticism and great IQ and, you know, gets gets an interception on what otherwise probably should have been, you know, a quick rhythm header for this quarterback, you know, for a quick out pass for five yards maybe. But, you know, then it go, ends up going the other way and, you know, he gets a pretty decent return, like a 20-plus yard return just with how fast he hits, hits the ground running basically with the ball in his hands and makes that play. <clears throat> In addition to that, you know, there's another play where he's covering this outside, you know, wide receiver and this receiver's running a slant. And then, you know, this slot receiver kind of like looks like he's running a flat and then comes back in for a deep post slash seam route. And, you know, he does a great job. Cormani here does a great job of, you know, passing off that wide receiver into the linebackers to handle that slant and then switching his hips, flipping his hips and changing direction super well, super fluidly. And covering this wide receiver that's going deep on, you know, a zero coverage from what it looks like. Or the safety just, you know, bits somewhere else. But he ends up playing like a deep cover one is what it would be equated to while switching to this guy. And makes an interception where he goes up and just makes a great snag. So, <clears throat> Cormani, he can switch his coverages really well. He can read quarterbacks and read offenses at the corner position. So, that makes him a huge threat mentally. And I think that that's a huge reason why... You know, schools like Bama have him on their board as he's just a very smart football player, very high IQ. And then, you know, he has the athleticism to take that IQ and turn it into playmaking on the defensive side of the ball.
No, I also want to mention that he's super strong and a very physical cornerback who can play bump and run with a lot of these bigger Florida wide receivers. But sometimes he also just takes these wide receivers straight out of the play. He bumps them straight to the sideline. He knocks them down with a hard shove. And when you have a cornerback that just automatically takes away one receiving option like that, it makes A, the defense's job a lot easier. It embarrasses that wide receiver, gets in their head. And, you know, <clears throat> that wide receiver may end up at a frustrating, uh, at a frustration, committing some kind of penalty later in the game. And the quarterback gets mad because one of his routes, especially if it's like his first read, is just gone out of the play, not even possible to come back to. Then, you know, that's frustrating for our offense and opposing coaches. And, you know, Cormani is just going to give you headaches like that all game. He is somebody that, as an OC or a coach of an opposing team, you need to game plan against him. I would not want to throw at him wherever he is on the field, which could be a variety of places. He does play quite a few different coverages. Obviously, you know, they put him in a lot of situations where he just mans up and takes out one guy completely. But, you know, they can roll him into a cover three and take out half the field. They can roll him into a cover six kind of look where he comes over the top and, you know, plays even a safety-ish kind of responsibility. They can roll him into the flats. They can... You know, he can play whatever they need him to play because obviously he's athletic enough. And once again, that's just a further testament to his mental IQ and just his ability to play lots of different brands of football. And then <clears throat> just going to real quickly bring up that on defense, you know, he's he's obviously a threat. But on special teams, he takes that same physicality and that same mindset and he doesn't take plays off on special teams. He's a team player who's going to give it his all, whether he's catching passes at wideout or whether he's defending wide receivers or whether he's on special teams blocking people. You know, he gets a couple of pancakes on punt returns and on kick returns. And there's one play where he's just dogging this one guy and blocks him all the way down the field. There's a couple of plays where he gets multiple people blocked to set up these huge returns. He even gets lateral too at some point and picks up even more yards. He can return punts and kicks as well. No matter where he is on the field, he's going to be a high motor player. And, you know, like I said, with that mental ability, once again, I got to bring it up every chance I can. And with that athleticism and that speed, you know, there's a lot of high motor hustle players that aren't the most physically gifted. And then there's a lot of really physically gifted athletes, I think, who take some plays off and don't go hard every single play. But, you know, Cormani is not one of them. High motor, high athleticism. And just a playmaker, a playmaker, you know, he, he deserves to be on this playmakers corner podcast because he is a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. Unlike a lot of what, what we've seen and, you know, up there with the most talented DBs period that we've talked about and that I've had the pleasure of watching film on. So, and, and, you know, while he's, he's great schematically at all these things, he's obviously, and athletic, you know, he doesn't rely on just his athleticism. He does everything right. You know, he does. He has great footwork to change direction fast and hard. He can come back downhill very well with an excellent plant and just explodes off of that back foot. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he has really where he rotated his hips super well. He has fluid hips all the time and can cover a variety of routes, if not all of them. And, you know, in the run game, while I do think that he's not the best tackler or, well, not, just not a good tackler in general, you know, not, not going to say not the best, obviously, but then obviously just needs to work on tackling in general. He does a great job at avoiding blocks or shedding blocks made by wide receivers that, you know, are of equal size or look to be just as strong. He does a great job of 
you know, making them irrelevant on plays and at least being in position to force the run back inside. So, you know, with all of these things considered, we know he's a power five guy. That is unquestionable. And, you know, I think it's going to be hard for, you know, Cormani here to say no to a place like Bama where he has a very high chance as far as if he wants to go to the league. I know that we don't ever project out that far, but, you know, you go to Bama as a DB, you have a pretty high chance of, you know, potentially being a first-round pick. They've had a couple of guys come out, you know, Patrick Sertain recently at the corner position drafted by the Broncos at the number nine overall pick. You have guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, who are a first-round pick. And, you know, it's going to be a continuing pattern, I think, as Bama, as Bama do. And we know that Nick Saban has just been extended until he's a bona fide uh, senior citizen over there in uh, Tuscaloosa. So, you know, you have st- you have program stability, you have a winning program, you have a chance to win a national championship, and you have a chance to be a high NFL draft pick if you go to Bama. I do think that he could be a high draft pick no matter where he goes. But like I said, just with the track record in mind, I see Bama being a great fit for Cormani McLean. But obviously I respect whatever choice he makes and would love to have him on the show and pick his brain a little bit on what exactly he's looking for in a program. And if any programs kind of stand out more than some other offers, not asking him to make a commitment on the show, but also if he does, that's up to him. But And same goes for Love Autobio and Luke Zanotti and Trace Floyd. And with that being said, that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. And make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. Follow us on Instagram at Playmakers Corner. Find us on Facebook, Playmakers Corner. You could also send us emails if you need us to break down your film. Actually, I'll do that in a separate segment uh make sure to find us on tiktok also at playmakers corner uh where we'll have more content i'm going to be catching up on a lot of these past request episodes that i've been slacking on so stay tuned for that content for sure and you know thank you for the listens obviously thank you for the love on social media if you have a request or you have an athlete that you want to request now we'll talk about that you can email us at you know um cycle365 at gmail.com that was our old podcast name but, you know, you could email us. You could also DM us on Instagram or Twitter. If possible, please tell us your name, position, height, weight. And, you know, send us your film if you have it. Or tell us where to find the film if you're requesting an athlete for someone other than yourself. Other than that, uh, stay tuned for us breaking down some QB1. I know that they barely have the last season left there. So, you know, hashtag bring back QB1 to Netflix so I can watch seasons one and two. But stay Stay tuned for some QB1 reactions. If you recall, it's going to be kind of similar to our episodes 1 through 10-ish days where we were watching Last Chance U and talking about Laney College and talking about lessons that high schoolers should have from these shows and how to watch them and whatnot. So stay tuned for that content coming up, more requests and more flag football. All of that and more, just stay tuned. And thank you so much for the support. I've been Cody Stoffer, and peace out.